Welcome to Girl Party, the podcast that tackles cinema's most legendary team-ups. Films where two or more major stars shared the screen and battled it out for screen time, top billing, the fatter paycheck, and the most acclaim. Every week, we'll be discussing movies that gave audiences two for the price of one on Legends of the Silver Screen, and we'll be delving into dueling star personas, a bit of behind-the-scenes drama, and the ultimate quest for box office, Oscars, and cinematic dominance. And don't worry... We'll be discussing actors of all genders from week to week because boys are invited to the girl party and all and gender is a construct anyway. Welcome to Girl Party. Welcome to Girl Party. Hello, everybody. My name is Lucian and uh, Shane and I are here today to discuss two ladies in a movie, two famous actresses allowed to headline a big summer film. Mm-hmm. When does that ever happen? Never. Not very frequently. It's the first time ever. First time ever. First time ever. Um... And folks, it is a girl party today, so welcome along. It's a good one. Uh, where we're, we, we mean to be inclusive, and uh, we mean to uh, be uh, equal representation and, uh, on Boy Party, a podcast that from the surface, on the surface, looks like it probably would be incredibly one-sided. So mm-hmm. welcome along. We don't have a female guest here today to discuss this movie with us, but... You know, at the end of the day, as much as it's a, as much as it's a as movie with two women, it's a bit of a boy movie. A lot of a lot of cop stuff and guns and silly silly fart humor in this film. That's not just for boys. That's though, not just it? for boys. Oh, that's incredibly. Yeah, I know. That's incredibly incredibly close minded of me to say that. Um, today's movie is The Heat, twenty thirteen. Not Michael Mann's Heat. Not Michael Mann's Heat. So funnily, because kind of Michael Mann's Heat is sort of the ultimate. It's not okay. It's, we can say this about everything, but sure. Michael Mann's Heat is kind of one of the three or four definitive boy party yeah. movies of just like, whoa, those two guys, well, they're equally big stars. Mm-hmm. So it is funny that we're doing the Heat before we do Heat. In fact, when I walked into the room and said we should do the Heat next, you did say Heat or the Heat. Yes. Um, this film being called The Heat feels like such a The Watch, The Hustle, like last minute title change. They probably had something better. Like, Well, there's a very obvious reason why you need the definite article there. There is a reason why you need the definite article. I wonder, could this movie be called like Boston Heat? Mm, girl yeah. girl Does that heat. sound more like a TV show then? Boston Heat? Yeah, it does sound like a TV show. And anything can sound like a TV Hot show. Hot Shots. Hot Shots is a movie. I know. I don't know. I feel like the heat is is just like shockingly forgettable. But maybe it's not. Maybe no, because people know what the heat is when you tell it about it. I guess they do, right? Yeah. Like if you walk around and say like, oh yeah, we're doing the heat this week. Like I feel like most people are going to know what we're talking about. I think so. People who have a memory of more than a fucking goldfish length anyway. I think The Watch is a really tough one where it's like that film just does not exist. No. And for those who are wondering, this is the 2012 Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill movie. And I think it doesn't the two exist. stars of this have mm. a very good ability to just be in the consciousness of the general public. Yeah, I think so. I think that the public's awareness of like all of the movies that Melissa McCarthy made between 2012 and 2019 is yeah. probably much higher than it should be given the qual- the average quality of those films. Like, I feel like the average person knows would remember Identity Thief and they'd remember Tammy more than they would mm. say remember the even the adam sandler films from those years or you know similar i, I was more angling at the other star of this film well of course so sandra bullock yeah and melissa mccarthy both in this movie sandra bullock i think you're right yes is very much like your co-workers favorite movie star like 
very much her. And again, in Ireland as well, we've noticed a trend of yes, female-led films doing female-led well comedies. Yes, female-led comedies and female-oriented comedies do completely over-index in Ireland. Big examples of this being Bridesmaids, of course, which is sort of the precursor to this film. Yeah. And uh, and Bridget Jones and the Sex and the City movies Barbie and did well. Barbie and uh, the highest grossing film of all time in Ireland. Yeah, crazy. and then over the past few weekends, uh, Anyone But You and Mean Girls both sort of similar. Mm-hmm. Mean Girls a little bit different actually because Mean Girls is aimed a little bit younger. This this tends to be for films that are aimed at kind of women between sort of twenty five and forty five. I think Mean Girls is aimed more like fifteen to twenty five. But um, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to check the heats like Irish box office. But I would definitely imagine that the average uh, like the per capita number of Irish people our age and a bit older who have seen the heat is probably like again. I'd imagine this got a big bridesmaids boost. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, here as well, but like it did everywhere. Oh, here especially. It only exists because of bridesmaids. Sure, but um, but there is certainly a sense in Ireland that women between sort of twenty five and forty five are very easily convinced to go to the cinema in groups when a film is brought out that appeals to their interests. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of interesting to me that the Irish film industry hasn't really capitalized on this yet and started, like, pumping out, like, comedies about women. I guess there's been a few, but um, the number should really be increasing faster given that the audience is, like, 100% there in a pretty undeniable way. Like, if you bang out a female-led comedy for, like, 200 grand here and just marketed yeah. a bit and like like deadly cuts is the last one i can think of yeah and i think deadly cuts did do pretty well like there should be a film like deadly cuts every six months that's like either you know just like three or four well-liked irish actresses and throw some men in there as well obviously because like that shit's just gonna sell loads of tickets anyway uh enough about the irish element the heat came out in 2013 and it is a paul feig's follow-up to uh ghost uh, no, to the fucking bridesmaids. Sorry, Ghostbusters and bridesmaids. Two jobs that are very easy to mix up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bridesmaids is one of the most successful comedies of the last twenty-five years, pretty much. That film makes three hundred and six million dollars, which is kind of like bordering on sort of Hangover Ted numbers. Um, might have made more than Ted, to be honest. And that's literally like that is a movie where the biggest like the stars of that film are all TV actresses. They are SNL people. You're not looking at that's not a film with a major comedy star in it at the time. Mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph and Rose Byrne and Melissa McCarthy are all few people from TV. But that movie is obviously like a phenomenon that summer. It is instantly considered to be like the best sort of female Hollywood comedy of the last couple of years. I certainly think it's pretty fantastic. Like, I don't think it's overrated really at all, which is kind of unusual. Um, Something I haven't watched in years. I've I watched no it again like really. two or three years ago, and it's really great. Yeah. It's long. It's got that like Apatow problem yes. where it's yeah. inexplicably over two hours long, but it it kind of earns the length because there's just a bunch of fun stuff where she like is involved with Chris O'Dowd and she's involved with John mm-hmm. Hamm, and there's just like eight of the funniest this, women. This in is America. pushing two as well. This is uh, pushing two. I think this is is this just bordering on two. Certainly, we found it to be. This is 117 minutes, and Bridesmaids is 124. So, okay. but uh, I think this does lack, like, not to, not to immediately jump to this, but this yeah. does lack the men. Interesting. Hmm. It doesn't have kind of a like John Hamm and oh, yes. maybe not Chris O'Dowd, but like we have a relationship with Chris O'Dowd just because we're yes familiar with him, but like. You're saying this film needs to have better male co-stars. Just, just 
like if Jason Bateman was in this, like of course. in our last episode, Central Intelligence, you'd be way more hyped. But maybe, but maybe, maybe it's more of a flaw of the script because the film shouldn't need that. If if you have Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, you literally shouldn't need any men. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, like, I think it might just be a script. Bridesmaids. I d- I don't think Chris O'Dowd and John Hamm add anything to Bridesmaids. Really, I know I just gave them as as an example yeah. of adding to it, but I was kind of lying when I said that. I don't think that like those are two actors I don't really care for. So I think that Bridesmaids completely would work if you literally had not a single man appear on screen and this film yeah this film suffers from having kind of too much man bullshit a lot of action scenes and cop scenes and firing of guns and mob stuff and gangster stuff and people being tied to chairs in warehouses the man stuff in this movie is when it's boring and all the fucking comedy pure unfiltered melissa mccarthy sandra bullock stuff is when it's like absolutely yeah. great so i almost think that maybe the script should have been sort of no, stripped of its actions action elements more so yeah i think we made this point we were watching the first episode of mr and mrs smith yes yesterday mm-hmm. and there's a very you can very clearly tell that the relationship is the focus of the yes. show and not the action yes and it doesn't give way to try and force plot into it yeah they they literally they'll they that show seems to be committed to dedicating at most like 12 or 13 minutes an episode to like the mission at hand yeah and very quickly the mission can get twisted into a kind of character piece yeah just like there's like a character piece where it's about people in a room playing games with each other rather than um firing guns yeah a lot of it's two people figuring out how they interact with each other yeah and And i feel like the heat is doing that and it's good at doing that but the heat probably has a little bit too much of that universal pictures summer studio exactly saying yes put an explosion we need explosions in this um and i don't think paul feig has necessarily been left to his own devices here now interesting thing is that paul feig and Melissa mccarthy's two follow-ups to this are also extremely action heavy spy Mm. and ghostbusters spy is in my opinion taking this idea in completely the wrong direction that film has so much stupid action in it yeah like it is literally for a large proportion of its running time a jason statham film yes and that kind of tells you all you need but it's a a bad jason statham film it also makes the pretty chronic mistake like its biggest problem is that the fucking side the female sidekick in it is miranda hart who is like one of the most unfunny people alive and is apologies to miranda fans listening like that is equivalent to putting Jack Whitehall in Jungle Cruise, where you're instantly losing my sure. Interest. But I, I now that you say it, I think a Miranda Hart movie would make money in Ireland. Oh, of course it would. Yeah, oh, absolutely, given, Miranda Hart. Da- oh yeah. my god, it, fucking, I absolutely would. Interesting to me that maybe Miranda Hart and Spy is the closest template we have for what Phoebe Waller Bridge's vibe would have been in Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Smith. But anyway, um, I think, and then Ghostbusters is a lot better than um, Spy. Um, but that has Kristen Wiig back in the equation, which is very important. It also has Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. Funnier than usual. And then Chris Hemsworth is fantastic in that film. He's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. So um, that film has like three or four elements. Where, and also it has like Ghostbusters shit. There's lots of there's lots of action that is inventive and fantastical. And there's goo coming out of things. And there's clouds in the sky of uh, weird ghosts. And, like, that film is able to lean into the fantasy to have slightly more yeah, not interesting just action kind of than just gangster stuff. Yeah. genre yeah. tropes or whatever. This, which this and Spy suffer from. But this is much better than Spy. So, yeah. Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock are only stars of equal status kind of 
from the day this movie comes out onwards for a couple of years, I would argue. Mm. Like, Melissa McCarthy, um, three years prior to this, was not a household name. She's obviously in Gilmore Girls, which I've never watched. Um, I take it from everyone I know that she's very good in it. Um, and then she's in Mike and Molly, which ran for inexplicably long after she became a movie star. Like, I've rarely seen that happen, bar mm. maybe Jason Siegel on How I Met Your Mother, where somebody is like starring in a big movie once a year, twice a year, and is still appearing on a on a fucking TV show that's like barely watched by anybody. Mike yeah. and Molly kept going till 2016, huh. and like her peak of movie stardom is 2012 to 2015, 2016. Um, very bizarre. Uh, the other, the male star of that show, I could give you a million billion years, you'd never be able to tell me who plays Mike on Mike and Molly. Um, his name is uh, William Gardell Jr. Like, what the fuck? What's Melissa McCarthy doing on that until 2016? What network was that on? That was on CBS. That show has a laugh track. It ran for 127 episodes. Was she was she self-financing her films and just, like, needed the paycheck? No, I think she just... I think it was just, I like... She just likes it. It was, like, an insurance policy on the film thing not working out, guess, maybe. yeah. That show was made by Chuck Lorre, who is, the, of course, mastermind behind such wonderful TV as Two and a Half Men and The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. So, obviously, like, the money was there. Sure. The premise of that show is that they meet at a Chicago Overeaters Anonymous group. Mm-hmm. It's literally just like the premise of the show is like, what if two fat people were a couple? Okay. That's so depressing. Mike and Molly, everybody. But do you think she got a serious bargaining chip for the contract when she? I would imagine the so. Like yes. Her episode per episode salary just skyrocketed. Sure, but I don't think that Mike and Molly's ratings really went up that much. Maybe they did. Yeah. I mean, I say CBS sitcom tends to do well, whatever it is, but I, I I don't recall there being some sudden like Mike and Molly's the third biggest show on TV, mm. which is weird considering she had multiple films coming out that were making like um, you know, a couple hundred million, a couple hundred million. Just occurring to me here that Jenny McCarthy is her cousin. That's really bizarre. That's so weird. So that means that Melissa McCarthy and Jim Carrey were like related through marriage at one point. Who's Jenny McCarthy? Jenny McCarthy is the masked singer, judge, radio show host, Jim Carrey's ex-wife. Ah, yeah, that's insane. That's oh, yeah. Um, wonder if they they talk. I'm sure they do. Um, so uh, anyway, she's a TV actress, and then Mm -hmm. Bridesmaids comes out in 2011, and I I didn't see Bridesmaids for another year or two because I was whatever 13, 14. But, like, I um, remember just basically everyone everywhere. It's one of those things when I was a child and a young teenager where suddenly everybody in the media was just like, this person's amazing. It was like, you know, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight and Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids. It was like, this is an unbelievably funny performance. And um, it, it is. Justified. It is. It's correct. It's fantastic. So Melissa McCarthy gets a somewhat kind of inexplicable, well-deserved Oscar nomination for um, for Bridesmaids for for a fully purely comedic performance, um, and this is something that just doesn't happen. No one gets Oscar nominated for a performance that is all comedy. It has happened this year with yeah. Mr. Gosling in Barbie, and that is like only you know one of several times I can picture this happening in the last couple of decades. Um, Melissa McCarthy's uh, com- competition that year at the Oscars was. Uh, Octavia Spencer in The Help, who won, which I was very happy with at the time. I think she's very good in that. Um, Bernice Bejeau in The Artist, which is a farcical nomination. I literally haven't seen her in anything since. Uh, Chastain in The Help, which is... 
A weird nomination. I don't think Chastain's particularly great in The Help. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is the best of the sort of white actresses in that film. It's weird she didn't get in. Um, and then Janet McTeer and Albert Knobs, which is an absolutely absurd nomination as well. But And then Melissa McCarthy. So it wasn't particularly competitive, um, but fair play to her nonetheless. So uh, Sandra Bullock wins her Oscar two years prior to that for starring in The Blind Side, which is pretty abhorrent film, I think. It's kind of the... The, the platonic ideal white savior bullshit. Blind, yeah. Um, and obviously stories in the last year have come out that a lot of the it subject is, has just yes. received no money. Yes. Um, <laughs> he sued the family for... Now I think that, yeah, that's more... I'm not of, sure how true all that is, but... I it, don't know. That film is just like, a, no, not does not need to be watched by anybody <sighs> again. Um, which is a pity because Sandra Bullock is a great actress, I think. And yeah. it's a pity her Oscar is for something so farcical and she gets not she gets close again in 13 this to the year the help comes out she's also in gravity Mm -hmm. which is sort of her best performance by default i think she's really good in it although a film has not exactly held up quite as strong in my estimations as i originally had it but um i was looking it's funny in 2013 i had my my top 10 movies of the year literally had two sandra bullock vehicles Mm -hmm. in it which is very impressive for somebody who had like you know, entered a kind of a second or third phase in her career at that but this point. this made your top 10 at the time? This made my top 10 at the time. I've gone in now and looked at my current 2013 ranking where this ranks number 20. Okay. Um, it's right in there between The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, and Prisoners, which is, I think, where it belongs. Um, but some of the shit I've got above it, like Hangover 3 <laughs> and Don John, uh, Nebraska, okay. Stand Up Guys, Gravity. Um, maybe it should be moving up a few spots. I don't know. But um, but Sandra Bullock, anyways, you know, uh, probably the fucking fourth most famous actress in the world, I'd say. And Melissa McCarthy and her really did kind of feel like they were of equal status when this film came out. I feel like Melissa McCarthy was so hot coming off of Bridesmaids. Um, and just enough time had passed that people were really, like, kind of desperate for more of her. Now, Identity Thief beats this film to a release about six months before, maybe even less, four months before. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because Identity Thief is really, really bad. And I think that when Identity Thief came out, people were like, oh, oh, she's she's just going to make shite now. And then maybe didn't give the heat as much of a chance they should have, which is unfortunate because it's an, an excellent performance. Um, but then immediately after the heat, she does go back to making absolute garbage and yeah. make several of the of, of just absolutely useless comedies in the preceding few years. Stuff like Tammy and the uh, fucking The Boss. And I'm not a fan of Spy, as I said, although people do like it. Life of the Party. Um, you know, you've got exceptions in there. Ghostbusters and St. Vincent and Can You Ever Forgive Me gets her her second Oscar nomination. She's very good in that. Huh. She's in The Happy know. Time Murders. Oh, God. That's truly Great. excellent film. And then she does these kind of this last one-two punch of just garbage that goes straight to streaming. Super Intelligence and Thunder Force. And I think that's when people are just like, Enough! She then makes a really depressing film called The Starling, where she plays a woman who just lies on a couch all day being sad. Uh, and then she is Ursula and the Little Mermaid. And then in December, she was in a straight-to-peacock movie called Genie. And now she is the second lead of Jerry Seinfeld's Pop-Tart movie. And I think we can safely say that Melissa McCarthy's era as a movie star has come to an end. But, but A bit tragic. It, it, but it maybe seems somewhat by choice. I think... Just very poor, very poor judgment. I think so. And a, and a, and a, and a very strong desire to keep working with her husband yeah. as a director, Ben Falcone, and as a producer herself, and not really letting anyone else write a comedy for her. Do you think she falls into the the rock 
and semi-Sandler thing of being too kind of... It's the Sandler thing. The only difference is that Sandler is surrounded by people who can write funny comedies, and she is not. She obviously doesn't seem to be able to write her own stuff particularly well. She needs Paul Feig, mm. and she... Her husband is a is terrible, useless filmmaker. Yeah. And so it's like, it's nice that she wants to work with him and make all these movies, but like, they're not good enough to keep doing it. Whereas, Do you Adam think she Sandler's gets case. a lot of good scripts from her agent that she turns down? I would guess so. Like, Can You Ever Forgive Me is such a good role for her. Like, yeah. It's a real person. It's like a perfect role for like an actress in their late 40s who people have a certain... Per- it is like the ultimate like Adam Sandler goes serious type role mm. for her where she's playing this kind of like closeted gay woman in her late 40s and she's obviously like unstereotypical by Hollywood standards but she's got this kind of wonderful poetry to her. Like there could be so many roles for Melissa McCarthy like that. Like she is the most successful actress of the last 20 years who isn't you know perfect blonde and skinny right Mm. like you that opens up hundreds of possibilities of interesting films she could make because she can be a character actress playing complex interesting real not hollywood perfect women Mm -hmm. who is also going to sell tickets and be be a huge draw and that's so special and unusual and i like i think if she had a a large budget marketed film here people would perk up i think her name is still floating around there as something i'm sure that would draw yeah she also went she did she went back to tv and was was in this show nine perfect strangers where she is second banana to nicole kidman okay which is like, mm, I don't think she should be positioning herself next to Nicole Kidman. Like, I feel like her and Sandra Bullock can banter. That's a great pairing because yeah. because Sandra Bullock is funny. Nicole Kidman is many things, and this is I like her a great deal. She is not funny, and that show is not funny. That is a show about like a culty beauty uh, retreat. It's a silly kind of White Lotus, but without the jokes kind of thing. Is she going to end up on the White Lotus? Maybe she is. I don't know. Or is she going to end up doing some sort of fucking... McCarthy or Kidman? Uh, McCarthy. Is she going to end up doing some sort of HBO half hour Would thing? Would she not pull herself into a true detective or something? Right? That's what she should be doing. Yeah. She should be doing true detective parts. She should be doing like Jodie Foster roles. Like, like I have an image in my head that she's in Fargo or something. No, she's not. She's she not. Be. But she I, should I be. can imagine her being a I want her Midwestern doing, cop yeah. in the I want her doing the Jodie Foster, Carrie Coon yes. parts. Which is to say, I think she can she can do a bit some some sort of androgyny, some sort of less effeminate roles. Like there's there's so much potential there for her. She's she is a really good actress. Um yeah. And I, I, I'm in favor of people, and I don't, I don't want it to sound like I have a double standard where I want Adam Sandler can do all his stupid comedies and Melissa McCarthy can't. It's just that his stupid comedies are good and hers aren't. Like if her, if her shit comedies were all as good as The Heat, I, which isn't a shit comedy, it's a good comedy. But I would have no problem with her never making a serious film. That's fine. It's just she, she ain't doing that. Um, so I'm not sure what's gonna happen there. Hey, maybe like. She doesn't. Does she make films as frequently as Sandler was pumping them no, out? No, not at all. No, she's every two, two, yeah. two to three years. Yeah, like when you're batting them out one a year, like Sandler, you can kind of take the duds. Yeah, I know. You're gonna hit something eventually. Yeah. Now the other thing she's done in the last couple of years that I really liked was when she played Sean Spicer on SNL. That was oh, really yeah. funny. Yeah. And she was just chewing an enormous amount of gum. <laughs> that was a rare funny SNL impression. Yeah. Like, um. So you know, 
Just, has just, she has she a history of stand up or sketch comedy or anything, or was she just a TV actress? No, I don't think so. I think she's just a TV actress. Not, I'm not aware of her having much. No, she seems to have just started popping up in TV shows in the nineties. She has, she has Cork ancestry. Yeah. Now the funny thing about it, like the, the easiest comparison to her, I guess, is someone like John Candy or whatever. I feel like a lot of that, like if you compare her to a comedian who's kind of it is known, let's say, for their physical size and they're kind of known for being this kind of irritating buffoonish character you compare it to people like john candy and uh belushi or whatever like a lot of those guys just just die in their 40s like so mm. they never have to figure out what they want to do in their 50s and 60s melissa mccarthy is sort of blessed with having a, a longer career than many of her male counterparts yeah. of similar types have had um and i wonder what she will do with that um if she whatever she's given the chance to i suppose but so uh most mccarthy's films as a leading lady lady have um grossed a total of 2.6 billion dollars worldwide but worth noting that 500 million of that is from the little mermaid and 360 million of that is from The Hangover 3. And I would argue that neither of those films, especially not The Hangover 3, were sold on Melissa McCarthy's name. I so, completely forgot Melissa McCarthy was in The Hangover 3. She's like, is she even in the trailer? Or is it just more of like a cameo? I don't know. She's definitely in it more than she's in uh, Central Intelligence. But um, I don't know. Can't oh, quite gosh, recall. she's in Central Intelligence. Yeah, we yeah literally, at the very end. We literally talked about that. Talked about the heat on that episode. I know. That's... <laughs> Oh god! If you discount the Little Mermaid and the Hangover Three, her box office is going down. Well, it's a cam. That was a cameo. cameo. That was like a oh, Miss McCarthy. One point eight billion then is about her real gross. Sandra Bullock's films as as a leading lady have grossed um, six billion worldwide. What the fuck does that? That must include Minions. Okay, that includes a billion and a half for Minions. Okay. Gravity's six hundred and eighty million. The proposal three hundred million dollars for the proposal. Three hundred million dollars for the Blind Side. Three hundred million for Ocean's Eight. Three hundred million for Speed. Two thirty eight for Bullet Train, which she's barely in. Two thirty for The Heat, and uh, two thirteen for Miss Congeniality. Two hundred for Two Weeks Notice. She is an unbelievably big star. Oh yeah, those are unbelievable numbers for. For comedies and and a fucking football sentimental drama to make three hundred million probably has limited that is reach insane. outside the states as well. Sure, exactly. Uh, yeah, two hundred and fifty of that was made in the states. Fifty was made outside the states. Crazy, actually. Can, lower. And the heat, the heat though, not that far off. One sixty U.S. seventy really? international. Okay. Um. But anyway. Um. So the heat. Any other things to say about it? It is. It is about, what is it about? It is about a, a, a... It is about a kind of rough local cop mm-hmm. in Boston, like kind of work, who works on the streets and it's Melissa McCarthy and mm-hmm. she's like a loose cannons, traditional. And mm-hmm. then Sandra she Bullock keeps guns, is the, keeps guns in the fridge. Yeah. And Sandra is kind of the, by the book, federal agent that comes in and she's got all her folders nice and neat and she has to learn the way of the streets mm-hmm. and Melissa McCarthy has to teach her and yeah. they... They clash heads at the beginning and then learn to appreciate each other's skill sets. And yeah. Good duo. Good duo. Much better than the Central Intelligence Much duo. better than Central Intelligence. And it's like funny because there's so, there's less obvious, there's less obvious um, contrasts to work with with these two. Central Intelligence, you're like, it's a fucking big guy and a small guy. Yeah. It's a guy who talks with a high-pitched voice and a guy with a deep voice. Central Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, like, 
are, are they, the, the, the contrasts are less obvious. Yeah, you're going based on delivery. You're going based on the script. Yeah, now they're dis- they're the kind of they're they're styled very differently in this yeah, film. Sure. Like Sandra Bullock's very uptight and very very prim, and Melissa McCarthy is very boorish and loud, and she's smoking and drinking, and she dresses in crazy raggy clothes and all this. But um, but they the film manages to find a lot of very fun ways to create space between their personalities. Yeah, but it's it's never demeaning to either of them. No, it's which not is exactly. why it's the yes very nice yes, and it's definitely no. This film doesn't like doesn't have fun using Melissa McCarthy as a source of mockery for her physicality. I suppose no, which I don't think any of the paul feig films too and to be fair none of the films that she stars in do because she produces them all and i do respect that a lot um and she has she has managed to uh sort of um shed that as part of her comedic persona which is which is great um uh, because i think her personality is so strong in people's Mm -hmm. minds as melissa mccarthy and the way that she behaves uh, especially when she's playing someone who's like super erratic and kind of uh, unpredictable like this character is. Mm-hmm. But um, the film's plot is fairly dull, yeah. a lot of mobby stuff. But it's yeah, just, I guess they're just they're just trying to find some drug dealer. And yeah. that's kind of it. It's just an excuse uh, for them to hang out. The villain isn't anyone of note. No. Um, um, Tony Hale shows up. Tony Hale's in it. Um, There's a funny scene where he's... Trying to purchase a prostitute. Yes. And Miss McCarthy just like kind of completely humiliates him. Yes. Calls his wife, tells yep. her it's great. <laughs> uh Demian Bashir's in this. Marlon Wayans does like doesn't register at all. Mm. Michael Rappaport plays the kind of simpleton brother of McCarthy's character. Oh, Bill Burr is there. Uh, Rappaport is good casting as her brother. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Taron Killam's in it. Studio sixty. What's his name again? Uh, Nate Cordry. Nate Cordry. Um, any other like fun cameos? Oh, obviously, Miss McCarthy's fucking husband shows up as like the one guy who is like you know flirting with her, which happens in a lot of these films. John Ross Bowie from Big Bang Theory's in it. He's pretty funny. Uh, Zach Woods is in it as a paramedic, oh, yeah. and Paul Feig shows up as a doctor. Um, this film was written by Kate Dippold, and it is her feature film debut, similar to um, The Post, which was that for Liz Hanna. Mm-hmm. Um, Good start. Yeah, Katie Dippold. Uh, she was in Upright Citizens Brigade and wrote loads of sketch and improv stuff. She was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. She's 44, so she's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she started writing on Parks and Rec in 2009, uh, and uh, she wrote The Heat. So she was she was working on Parks and Rec and then wrote this film, which is a nice little career yeah. pivot. Um, and then she wrote, co-wrote Ghostbusters three years later with Paul Feig. And uh, this year, she wrote Haunted Mansion, the uh, the the Keith Stanfields Owen yes. Wilson Haunted Mansion, which I thought was quite quite fun. Uh, and to be honest, I think I think Ghostbusters is fun as well. And it's unfortunate that Ghostbusters kind of like slapped a label of mediocrity on her and Paul Feig. Mm-hmm. That film is obviously subject to. One level of bad faith criticism, um, and then also a sort of a slightly less bad faith level of criticism from people who just don't care for Ghostbusters movies, which I totally appreciate and understand. I think the 2016 Ghostbusters is probably the best Ghostbusters film, and I know that that's a crazy opinion, but um, I just think the original is a bit shit, so it's not a not a very high bar to clear. Um, she also wrote this movie Snatched, which is the Goldie Hawn, Amy Schumer movie, which honestly could be a boy a girl party episode um definitely could be um but do we want to talk about amy schumer for 45 minutes 
I'm not so sure. We'll, not have yet. To, we'll have to make a decision on that when we run out of films with two female leads. Uh, so fair play to uh, to Kate, Katie Dippold on writing this film, which I do like uh, quite a bit, uh, despite all of our uh, critiques. Um, will we do the credits game? I think so. We're doing it in reverse, though. We're, so Shane's going to do the credits game and quiz me, and then I'm going to do box office game quiz Shane. Do you have a credits game ready? I do. I okay. So the way this game works... Shane's going to read the cast list of a movie starring one of the girls in the heat, and he's going to read it from bottom to top according to Letterbox, starting with the last build actor leading up to the first. And I'm going to have to. Do you always go all the way to the end, or we'll start like uh, twenty? I start like where it seems reasonable to start. Yeah, and uh, I'll have to guess the movie as fast as possible uh, without hearing the actual famous people in it. Okay. Okay. All right. Paul Moniz de Sa. Okay. Jude Wilson. Orlando Lucas, W. Earl Brown, <laughs> Andrew Francis, <laughs> Rob Morgan. Okay, I know Rob Morgan, yeah. Jess McLeod. McLeod? Okay. McLeod. Yeah. Tom Gurry. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Will Pullen. Okay. Emma Nelson. Okay. Ashling Franciosi. Oh, no way. Okay, so I've met her. She's Irish. Oh, okay. She is Irish. How do you pronounce that name? Ashling Franciosi. Franciosi, yeah. So Ashling Franciosi is in this movie. Yes, she is. What could this be? Interesting. interesting okay, interesting, we have six names left. She's seventh build, Fran. Um, Ashling Franciosi. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. That is so funny. I I can't think of a film that she's been in with either of these actresses. That's mm-hmm. funny. All right, give me one more. Linda Imond. No, keep going. Richard Thomas. Richard Thomas? Fuck me. That's Richard Thomas from The Waltons. Right. Interesting. Playing Ashling Franciosi's father, I assume. What Based the on the character fuck? names. Fuck, I didn't know this. What is this fucking film? So this is something from like the last five years. Sure. Because Ashling Franciosi is quite, quite new. Yeah. Um, this is something from the last couple of years. Um, what have these two actresses been doing the last two years? It's, I th- is it a McCarthy? Because I don't tell me. I uh, keep going. John Bernthal. Is this the kitchen? No. John Bernthal, and so he's fourth bill. Yeah. And right. Okay, give me one more. Vincent D'Onofrio. Wow, I would have thought this was the kitchen. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio's third. Yeah, there's two names above Vincent D'Onofrio, and one of them is going to be Sandra Bullock or Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is an incredible failure on my part. Okay, do you want to guess which one it is? Is it Melissa McCarthy? No. Right. So it's a Sandra Bullock film. Is this the one where she's in like a fucking call center? Is this called like the caller or something? No. No, but it could it okay. The background image yeah. on Letterboxd yeah. is her on a mobile phone. On a mobile phone. Does that does that No, I think the one I'm thinking of she's in a call center. She'll okay. be on a mobile phone. Uh there's no mention of a call center in the description. Yeah, okay, it's not that one then. Second build. She's second no, build. No, she's first build. She's first but second build yeah. is yeah. Viola Davis. Well, this is like a made up movie. This is made up. What the fuck is this? This is called This is Nora. Thing shite. 
It's the unforgivable. The unforgivable. That is the call center film. Okay. What the fuck? Richard Thomas and Ashley Franciosi were in something together. Yeah. I wonder if that is the Richard Thomas. And D'Onofrio and Bernthal. That is a very fake movie. Very, very fake. Yeah, John Boy Walton. All right. I'm, yeah, that's what it is, Richard Thomas. Wow. Mm. That's incredible. I'm going to have to ask Ashley Franciosi about that if I ever chat to her. You going to watch it? Maybe. Hmm? Now that I know her and him are in it. All right. Box office, folks. Blah, blah, box office. So this movie came out in a weekend that I remember the box office of very vividly because I was a freak who was like... Oh, sorry. One thing we forgot to do. How? Hmm. What's our poster analysis for this? Oh, I actually literally... I have the poster open here. Yeah. So. And okay. the billing creditor. So, so Sandra Bullock gets first billing and Melissa McCarthy gets second billing. It's pretty easy. There, mm. there, There is a hierarchy there. Sure. Um... They're not split in a card or anything. Uh, I have the poster here. Um, this is this is what I recall. There's a few posters. Yeah, this, that's the poster. this is the one I recall being the main one. And I remember people getting pissed off because Melissa McCarthy had been kind of like airbrushed to death on this one where you literally just like, oh, wow. she looks really insane. That's insane. And they were trying to make her face look thinner and it was really weird. This one's a bit nicer. Bullock McCarthy, The Heat, um, nice red design. This one is a bit less nice. It says good cop, mad cop. I mean, from the director of Bridesmaids is an incredible pitch. Not and a bad were, tagline. There was this teaser poster that said the heat is coming, which is just, there's nothing going on there. That, you can't, I actually wouldn't know that's yeah. the film poster. And then this is, this is great. I love, this is like real 80s style action <laughs> movie poster, which is really cool. But I've never seen that before in my life. That was not used at mm-hmm. the time of the release. It's probably a fucking steel book with that cover or something. Anyway. Like, Sandra Bullock is first bill, but I feel like this is kind of a... Melissa McCarthy driven vehicle. I think so. Yeah, think, it is. Just by nature of her like you, personality. You'd probably replace Sandra Bullock in this with someone, but you couldn't you probably really could. replace. You could Melissa probably McCarthy. replace her with fucking Jason Bateman in this. Like, sure. Not to come back to Jason Bateman every time, but no, they we're going to talk about. They Jane. had just done Identity Thief. Like, yes, we got to do one of our Bateman episodes soon, just to get him out of the system. Yeah. So this film comes out June twenty eighth, twenty thirteen. I was at the time recording a podcast every week called. Buzz Hub's box office buzz that I would record oh. in my mother's car on my own. This one. Um, when I would just talk, I would just go through the box office top ten. So You're I know familiar with this. I know all the fucking box offices from this summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna quiz Shane. So number one is not the Heat. The Heat's opening number two. It's 2013. Big, yeah, big hit. The Heat's making 40 million. So this is about a week after we finish our junior cert exams. Number one is a sequel to a beloved modern beloved classic. And it is a inferior but okay sequel. It is for children. Children and adults alike. Are we in Despicable Me territory here? We are in Despicable Me territory. Well, this film is not, but okay. Despicable Me 2 comes out, I believe, the week after. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, I was close. Yeah. This film is like... Beloved by children. This film kind of doesn't exist, but like... It's, animated, obviously. Everyone knows the name of it. Yeah, animated. Huh. It's the sequel to one to a beloved film. It is slightly less beloved. Big toy film. No, not really. No. No, not really. More of like a lunchbox film. Lunchbox. Like backpacks and lunchboxes, I would say. Okay. Like not really. Like and was there a gap figures. between this and the original? Uh yeah, a huge gap. Okay, so sort it's of like twelve a... years, I'd say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sorry, it's actually a prequel. <laughs> not a sequel. Prequel. Yeah. An animated prequel. Yep. Damn. Probably the only one I can think of, apart from Minions, Rise of Groove. Monsters University. Monsters University. Yeah. A film that mostly exists because it's like one of the only films that colleges will put on 
because it's university themed because mm-hmm. they know that people will watch it because it's got university in the name. Yeah. It's very much okay. Number two is the heat. Mons University, by the way, sorry, um, 170 million in two weeks, which is just crazy. That's, that's um, the heat. Surprised they never went back to it. Did they make a TV they show? Did a t- they did a TV show. A TV yeah. show. Uh, the Heat is number two, and then number three is an interesting big star vehicle, very expensive movie, huge hit. The star in question has been covered on Boy Party already. Okay. Huge movie, which they haven't made a sequel to because there keeps being like random kind of directors hopping on and off. It's not very good. Think of the episodes. Very silly. Uh, is very it Jimmy Stewart? Hmm? No. No. <laughs> okay. uh, this movie has a uh, frustrating geopolitics. <sighs> frustrating. Is it war related? Yeah. Hell yeah. The interview? No. No. It's very serious. No jokes. Very serious. No jokes. Zero jokes in this boring ass movie. It's like full of VFX and bad VFX and one big huge star who's never made a movie like this. Since. Huge as in like The Rock. No, huge is in like incredibly famous, and we've done them on the podcast, and it's not The Rock. <laughs> this is like the only movie. DiCaprio. No. no. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, correct? Yeah. The stupidest, most highest-grossing film that Brad Pitt has oh, ever. Oh, Fury been. or something? No. 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 Much bigger. Much more expensive. Stupid. Very expensive. Very bad geopolitics. Not War Machine. War is... Oh, wait. What? Not War Machine. Oh, World War Z. World War Z. World War Z, of course. World War Z. The Palestinians invade Israel. The Palestinians are the zombies. The Israelis are the people. Keep them out with a big wall. Oh, no, it won't work. And then end up in Scotland for some reason. Because Damon Lindelof was hired to fix the ending. Because the original ending was set in Moscow's Red Square. And they had to take it out. That film is a fucking geopolitical nightmare of both production and theme. Number four. Oh, God. Number four is a new release, which was a flop, which is a pity because it fucking rules and it's going to be done on Boy Party someday. 2013 Boy Party. Big action movie. Two big stars. Boy Party eligible. I'm a big fan. I've seen it a few times. Good geopolitics in this one. Franchise? No. It was a flop. A they, one- never oh, made, sorry. they never made anything again with these characters. A one-off action movie yeah it is literally just an action movie that's what it is huh and it's great i'm a big fan i have it on blu-ray two big stars i know what it is but there's politics in it and it's pretty good politics what considering that one directed by a maybe not so good person give me the director roland emmerich oh White House Down. White House Down, White House down. opens opposite the Heat to twenty-four million, is that a which good is uh, it does have good politics. The villains in it are like weird fucking anti-military guys, but then the the whole thing becomes like an anti-war thing. Anyway. So this is Jimmy Fox and Chang Tun, correct? Yeah, okay. Number very easily confused with Olympus's fall. Yeah. Number five is one of the most fucking pretentious, over the top self-serious superhero movies of that era but i think it's okay it has a great score and a lot going for it it's by a real director um but most people think it's garbage and it it it, it launches a a mini franchise that kind of kind of coughs along for two or three more films before falling on its face 
This isn't like a Hellboy or something. No, 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 no. This is like the most famous. This is like a, the A-list character. This is a reboot of like an A-list superhero character. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? No. No? No, but A-list. Who got a reboot? When was the previous iteration? In 2005? 2006? This is the most recent version of this character that has been in films in the last three years. And not an X-Men. Nope. This is an A-list superhero character. You're saying A. This is one of the three most famous superhero characters ever. More famous. More famous. Superman. Correct. Yes. Oh, okay. It's just like a Henry Cavill Superman. This is this Henry Man Cavill. Steel. This is Man of Steel. Man of Steel. That's M-O-S. the top five. And the rest of the top ten is This is the End, Boy Party. Uh, now You See Me, Boy Party. Uh, Fast and Furious 6. Kind of Boy Party. Not, not a great. We're not going to do not, it. Not a great film. Star Trek Into Darkness, definitely not a great film. And The Internship, which is a Boy Party, but is uh, one of the ten worst films I have <laughs> ever seen. So a lot of Boy Parties that summer. <sighs> the Heat, White House Down, This is the End, Now You See Me. The Internship. We've also got The Purge, The Bling Ring, Epic, Before Midnight, Much Ado About Nothing, The Crudes, Gatsby, Hangover 3, and After Earth. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Girl Party, everybody. Talking about The Heat. Mm-hmm. Good um, film. Go watch it. Good film. Go watch it. We may have sounded a bit humdrum about it, but no, it is good. Um, humming and hawing. Sorry, not humdrum. Anyway. We, um, have, we have high standards for comedy. We do. We do. Um, you can visit boypartypod.com. You can follow us, boypartypod, on Instagram and X, Twitter. And uh, we'll be back next week with another boy slash girl party, depending on uh, depending on our mood. Maybe yeah. an everyone party. Maybe a non-binary party, if we can find actors famous enough. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.